my career in economic development to convincing the community to spend tens of millions of dollars to get land ready in the hopes that a company might come in and they might recoup their their funding at some point. What's happened now though is those investments have caught up to us and uh, we're running out of land in a lot of regions and uh, communities, it's sort of playing catch up and that's much more challenging than planning ahead. Hello and welcome to another episode of Making It in Ontario, the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. I'm your host, Nick Persichilli, and in this episode, Brendan Sweeney and I turn our attention to Eastern Ontario and the economic development activities taking place there. Our guests were Jay Amer, an economic development consultant based in Peterborough and executive director of Ontario East Economic Development Commission, and Chris King, the CEO of Quinty Economic Development Commission. Brendan and I chatted with Jay and Chris about some of the work they're doing in Eastern Ontario. Now, without giving too much away, their efforts in workforce development are noteworthy. Check the timestamp for our discussion on the Talent Identification Support Program, or TISP. However, the genesis for this conversation was something else, something very specific. The lack of availability of industrial land in Ontario. Back in December of 2021, the Trillium Network released a report which discussed how land that was once used for industry and manufacturing is becoming scarce. The report cited examples like the Lever Brothers Soap Factory and the Christie Cookie Factory in Toronto, and how those sites are being converted to what the report calls, quote, other usually lower value uses, end quote. This phenomenon is not just a Toronto issue, it's province-wide. As our guests informed us, no, Ontario is not running out of land anytime soon. What we're short on is industrial land, what people in the biz call shovel-ready land. Land that has access to hydro, to roads and highways, to rail, to water, to sewage and sanitation. We need more of that kind of land. So why aren't we building more of that infrastructure? How hard is it to run a power line somewhere? How hard is it to install a sewer? Well, the answer is not that hard, but it does come with costs. And those costs can often be difficult for governments from all levels to justify when there is no guarantee of a return on that investment in the form of a new business. But we can't attract new business without that land. But no one wants to commit to spending without a business commitment. But we can't, and therein lies the paradox. Thankfully, both of our guests have some ideas and insights on this issue, and they've been working at it for a long time. Both groups offer resources for businesses looking for land, which we have linked in the blog post below. Check them out. And have a listen to learn how important it is that we have enough industrial land so that we can keep making it in Ontario. And there we go. We are recording. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Making It in Ontario. I am Nick, and I am doing this virtually over Zoom, and we're joined by some friends, some new friends from Ontario East. But before we get to them, we also want to remind everyone that Brendan is joining us today. Mr. Brendan Sweeney. Hello, Brendan. Good afternoon. Hello. So we're talking economic development with two new friends, Jay and Chris. We'll start with Jay, since you are on my left-hand side. Jay, would you introduce yourself, please? Sure. My name is Jay Amer. I'm an economic development consultant based in Peterborough, and uh, my biggest client is the Ontario East Economic Development Commission, where I serve as executive director, and I've been in this business for about uh, 22 years. Wonderful. Welcome to the program. And Chris, hello. Hi, it's uh, Chris King. I'm with the Quinty Economic Development Commission, and we're a, a regional economic development office covering Belleville, Quinty West, and Brighton in eastern Ontario, with a, a real strong focus on the manufacturing side of the house 
and uh, we're also members of Ontario East Economic Development, and I'm currently the, uh, the president and chair of the board of that organization as well. Wonderful. So thanks to everyone for joining us today. Now, some months ago, uh, the Trillium Network did a podcast episode on economic development, and among the many lessons we learned from that episode was that economic development is a very complex and broad exercise. There's no one size fits all. There are no, there's no uniform, there's no universal solutions. And it seems like a lot of things fall under the purview of economic development. So having said that, and having a little bit, and, and just for, the, for everyone who hasn't heard it yet, we spoke with um, Wendy Stark from Invest Windsor Essex. We spoke with Cephas Panscho from Tilsonburg, and we spoke with Ken Schultens from Niagara. So we learned a lot. And that obviously that geographic region, if you can picture it in your head is, you know, is what it is. What can you tell us about Ontario East? What, uh, what should we know about your geographic region? Well, Nick, let me start uh, just giving a broad uh, picture of the Ontario East uh, Economic Development Commission. We represent 13 counties, 10 separated cities from Durham region, excluding Durham region, which we consider to be part of the GTA, all the way to Quebec border and north to Algonquin Park. So it's very uh, diverse communities, uh, rural, but also some uh, smaller cities and towns, villages but a very strong player in the manufacturing sector historically. We have a population of about 1.2 million people, if you exclude Ottawa, which we partner with, but they're not actually part of our, uh, our organization when we go out to try to attract new investment, including uh, advanced manufacturing. Our uh, manufacturing sector has maintained a pretty healthy numbers in jobs. Out of the 400,000 jobs in our region, 10% of them are in manufacturing. However, when it comes to the wealth generated, 50% of our wealth generated in exports comes from manufacturing. So it's, it's critically important. And we've always had the advantage uh, in Eastern Ontario, I guess, uh, disadvantage uh, at some points of sort of being under the radar when it comes to sort of global opportunities and even areas of the GTA. People tended to look on the other side of Toronto and forget about this area that's between Toronto and Montreal that the 401 runs through that has access to New York State and lots of market opportunities and a, a great work ethic historically. So it's uh, our organization was formed 35 years ago to bring out collaboratively all the opportunities and advantages people have when they invest in our community. So a pretty good track record and we have weathered you know the decline in manufacturing that's shifting to uh, new opportunities, new technologies and uh, and Chris can talk about some specific examples. Certainly the Quinty region has, has been a leader in maintaining a very uh, I guess popular, a very burgeoning uh, successful manufacturing sector. Right on. And Nick from uh, from my perspective, yeah, we're a member of Ontario East and there's so many benefits to being part of this organization. and you know you, you mentioned you talked to a number of economic developers over the last little while. And one thing we'd like to say is economic development truly is a team sport. You got to work with your partners, your neighbors, other organizations, and we're true believers of that. And uh, Ontario East Economic Development just allows us as a member to work as a team with other organizations, allowing us to not only reduce costs, but more importantly, allows us to be a whole lot more effective and efficient by, by partnerships. My organization that I'm, uh, that I'm with, Quinney Economic Development, I represent three municipalities that work together on economic development as a, as a partnership. Uh, so rather than fighting each other, they, they decided, hey, this is one labor market that politicians and the communities figured out a while ago that, hey, it makes sense to work together 
on certain aspects of economic development. And our focus is, is really narrow focused on the industrial side of the house, manufacturing, food processing, logistics, and the tech sector. So think about those value-added wealth-creating sectors of the community or the economy where you're making a product here, you're exporting outside the area, and you bring in net new dollars in. And those dollars circulate and they go through to the residential side for construction and the retail side and the service side and all that. So from our organization, we're, we're really blessed to have that, that narrow focus. From an industrial side, that's what our organization does. And two things, investment attraction. And the second piece is growth and, retain, and retention. How do we help retain and grow those existing manufacturers that are in our region? And that's, uh, it's, it's tough to get one, but uh, it's more important to keep the guys that you have here, those businesses that you have. I've heard that um, distinction made a few times. Can you expand a little bit on the discussion of business expansion versus business retention? A lot of people like the idea of growth. What sorts of things have you uh, have you done in terms of like just business retention? I think it, first of all, it starts with awareness. So for me, it's it's treating your manufacturers and your businesses like customers, talking to them. What are their issues? What's what are their barriers? What's keeping them up at night? But also. What are their opportunities? Where are, they, where are they trying to grow their business? And what help do they need? And what would help look like from the community? And there's certain things that a community can work with them on. There's other things that are beyond our control that are market-driven or other factors that uh, we can't work on. But for us, it's our, our actions and our activities are all industry-driven, but community-supported. So, you know, things like workforce. So we've heard time and time again, the challenges around workforce. So there's a number of initiatives that we'll get into at some point in time to talk about what we're doing as a community. And Jay will talk about some of the excellent programs happening across Eastern Ontario on workforce development. But also it's looking at those opportunities and connecting businesses to those resources, the grants, the incentives, the training, the research that they, that might help them to advance their, their businesses. And a lot of times it's being a connector. We may not have that resource directly within our office, but some of our partners may, and, uh, and we try to make that happen. And one example I'd like to include uh, in this conversation from the Peterborough perspective is about supply chain and local supply chain. And one anecdote, Peterborough has a very strong uh, aviation industry that's been building over the years, aerospace and aviation. And one area where economic development office was able to assist was meeting as chris said with these companies where do they buy their products uh, there was a large multinational uh, here uh, french company saffron electronics they were buying components from all over the world two doors down in a, a business park when there was some available land in major bennett park was a supplier and the economic development office was able to connect them so that's what it's about you know listening to their needs helping them grow but the goal for most elected officials, economic developers, is to maintain that, but everybody wants to see new growth, new wealth come in. So it's that fine balance to go uh, and try to ensure you're well positioned that should those eventualities happen, you ensure that you always have a new supply coming in. Geography doesn't matter when it comes to investment attraction, uh, is the fact Chris is Quinty region, but one of his partners is Brighton, and it's actually located in Northumberland County, you know, Port Hope, Coburg, Campbellford, but geographically, and it just made sense for that community, that community to work with the Quinty region because historically they've been closer to that region. So it's not all about municipal boundaries, and that's the biggest challenge we have in you know the topic we're talking about today: employment lands, employable lands, is cooperation, 
and getting rid of these artificial boundaries for elected officials and ensuring that whatever the community is, they see the value in working together to ensure there is a supply and uh, areas for growth in the region. So real quick, before we move on to the topic of employable land, you guys talked a little bit about workforce development and the challenges around there. Can we just spend just a few quick minutes uh, talking about some of the insights that uh, you and your group have uh, come up with in that regard? Ontario East, we recognized as an organization uh, several years ago, if you're trying to attract new investment, you have to make sure you've got a workforce. If you don't, first of all, the client that you're trying to attract is not going to be impressed. They're not going to be able to meet their needs. And the existing business we talked about earlier are going to be even more unhappy that we if you have a depleted workforce, there, there aren't enough people to go around. So we have a program that we developed called the Talent Identification Support Program, TISP. And what it has done over the last few years is been a connector and collaborator. And there were so many programs and good programs from the provincial government, the federal government, and at the local level to help get new people into the workforce, to help support immigration. And you know, the, the workforce of the future is definitely going to be coming from outside of Ontario and outside of Canada, most likely. And uh, the program that we've run for the last couple of years with support from the Ministry of uh, Labor, Training and Skills Development has been a great success in actually getting some of these entities to speak to each other, workforce development boards that are across the region, private sector companies involved in recruitment. So we realize we can't do our job to attract investment on the regional level if we can't promote that we have a workforce or that we have uh, an effort underway to ensure we will have a viable workforce. So we've had great success with that. And I made reference to to Chris earlier, he's uh, he's run some excellent programs with uh, in the food manufacturing sector, leading the way and ensuring that people from all walks of uh, life or different backgrounds can be uh, moved into the sector with our colleges and universities. Obviously, we're fortunate to have a, a handful of them here in eastern Ontario, in uh, in Kingston, Peterborough, Ottawa, Belleville, and it's uh, it's critical to have those components and. The biggest challenge for our colleges, for example, is what's the workforce of the two years, three years down the road when our grads come out going to be? We're able to sort of help that and, and show where the needs are down the road and work closely with those entities. Great. Uh, and from the Aquini region, there's a number of initiatives we're working on. One is a program called Elevate Plus, where we take people with barriers to employment and we train them to be job ready to work in the manufacturing sector and, and uh, provide them a lot of wraparound skills and support. And obviously it covers a lot of the technical skills, but also heavily weighted on the soft skills, communication skills, working in a team environment, managing emotions, employer expectations, a lot of those skills and attributes that employers are looking for. And it's been really successful. It works really well. Uh, we partner with our college, Loyalist College, to deliver that program. So we, we come up, we have the program and then uh, get the funds and then work with the college to deliver, deliver that training, but it works because one, we have folks in that category that are willing to work and just need a little boost and some support. And the second piece is we have employers on the other side that are ready to take them. We also have in our region, a fund for training. So any of our manufacturers that want to participate in training do third-party training through the same program, we could support the training costs of the incumbent workforce up to hundred percent of those costs. So as companies look to, reskill and provide training for their workers we have a fund there to to help them uh, make that happen the other issue is just the 
the whole lack of awareness about the importance, the scope, the breadth of the manufacturing sector. If you look at economic output across all sectors, we're about a, in the Bay of Quinty region, about a $13 billion annual economy. Half of that output comes from the manufacturing sector. So we're trying to raise the awareness and, and promote not only the companies in manufacturing, but their products, their capabilities, and the people behind it. And so we have a proudly made in Quinty program where we do profiles of companies. If you walk into some of our grocery stores, you'll see those shelf hangers that says, you know, you look at the Kellogg cereal made in Belleville. Hey, that's uh, that's proudly made in Quinty. You look at the Hawkins cheesies, the Reed's dairy milk, the black diamond cheese, the consumer will say, Hey, that's a local product. So it's two things. It's one educating the public about what's made here. And hopefully the consumer, when they see that, they know if they buy that local product, they'll be supporting their friends, their family, their neighbors, that work in, in manufacturing. But I still think manufacturing has a, has an image issue. I walk into manufacturing plants today. It's bright. It's automated. There's technology. It's cool working environments. They're doing lots of great things and really strong uh, wages and diverse career paths. But I still don't think the general public gets that. And that's you know, we're trying to do that locally. I know you're trying to do that on a provincial-wide basis, but I think we need to all collectively keep pushing forward on that front. And then we were part of a pilot project with the Ontario Immigrant Nominee Program to try to capture some of those uh, folks that want to come to Ontario as part of the Ontario Immigrant Nominee Program. And they had allocated seats just for a region, and we did that for a couple of years, and it was very successful and placed a lot of new immigrants into the manufacturing sector. So that was good. And then coupled with all that, it's, uh, it's about technology adoption. So a lot of our companies are looking at, okay, if I can't find the people, how do I put the technology in place to allow me to do more? And it's not about displacing people. You know, robots we find don't displace people. They improve the performance of companies and the people get redeployed to higher functioning, more value added activities within those manufacturing plants. So we're, uh, you know, we're always looking at ways of how do we support our businesses to adopt technology into their manufacturing processes to uh, again redeploy those uh, lab- manual labor-intensive jobs uh, into you know higher functioning uh, options within the uh, within the manufacturing plant, and it's not hey here's one solution and we're done. It's we got to do a whole series of things to improve it, and there's still lots of work to be done yet. You could probably do a whole episode just on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, what what are some of your favorite solutions? Because in you know we've it's been twenty odd years that we've recognized this as a problem. Yeah. And uh, we had a bit of a moment in manufacturing during the pandemic when people were gravitating towards the industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid that for now that moment's over. Um, on the other end of this thing, what do we, what do we, what do, we do? Yeah, I, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, David Foote wrote that book, Boom Bust Echo, about demographics. How long was that come out? 20 years ago? 25? And he, you know, he talked about the, the influence of the baby boomer generation throughout their history of, you know, when they first came on and then when they started building all the schools to accommodate them and universities. And now they're at the point where they're actually in the workforce. So a lot of it is, you know, as predicted and we knew it was going to happen and it, it is happening, but it's a complicated and complex issue. Some of the things that I like, I like the whole immigration play, you know, attracting the people to Ontario with the skill sets to fill those jobs. I think that's a real important piece to it. And the more we could do, like I know our industries are all looking for, you know, those folks with the skill sets that are coming to, to Ontario. I, again, I think the, the whole 
awareness and really educating the public in terms of where those great careers are in manufacturing and trying to you know eliminate some of the stigma that may some may still hold about manufacturing so um there's no there's no one solution it's uh it's going to take a lot of different pieces to make it go you know if i could just jump in with uh the, the provincial government is is really invested in uh, the ministry that uh, that looks after uh, skills and training they've got a new skills ontario program uh, there seems to be a dedication to raising this awareness and a great example in Peterborough. I mean, uh, recently General Electric, uh, pretty much this community was built around the electric city back in the 1880s when they first came. It closed down uh, a couple of years ago, 50 acre plant in the middle of town. There's still a component involved in the, in the nuclear industry with another company right now. But it was really uh, interesting to see that plant because I had a father-in-law that worked there for 40 years and I, I'd been in there. That was the old style, real bang and metal and, you know kind of grimy with all due respect to the, the cleanups they tried to do, compared it to a, a, a process instrumentation plant on the other side of town, Siemens, a German company. And 20 years ago, that plant was like Chris said, you'd walk in, it was like a laboratory and it was a manufacturing facility. So it was interesting to see that transition uh, and it still existed here a few years ago. Siemens is still here and doing very well in Peterborough. Uh, GE's moved on, but they certainly have less, uh, you know, a legacy of uh, supply chain and companies that spun off and manufacturers that are still here that that evolved from that facility. But it really, uh, you know, the awareness of the opportunities, the, the money you can make in manufacturing and in skilled trades in manufacturing, uh, it, the jobs aren't... Uh, jobs you're going to go in and uh, some of them are obviously have some physical activity but it's not like you put on the work suit you've got to be decontaminated and <laughs> takes you forever to get the chemical smell off those days are, are long gone and uh, so you know raising awareness of kids and you know I'm a late boomer myself you know the, the other solution for the labor force was people having more and more kids we aren't seeing that although there are a lot more kids around these days it seems but I agree with Chris 100%. Our solution is ensuring that uh, our immigration programs uh, welcome people in and, you know, in all sectors, but certainly uh, making sure people that come into the community are aware of opportunities in manufacturing and also in the outlying areas from the GTA. You know, uh, most people like to be in a big city if, if they want to be around a culture base that they, they've come from. Uh, we're trying to build that up in Eastern Ontario, and that happens around our education institutions and universities and colleges. And uh, again, that's one of our challenges being away from the GTA, but, you know, the GTA is growing and uh, people realize we're just down the road and you, you can be close to a lot of uh, communities here in Eastern Ontario. Uh, and that's part of our messaging. And, you know, that immigrant nomination nominee program that's expanded into Eastern Ontario uh, and Ontario East, as an organization, we're fully supportive and and encourage people to to get involved with that. And as um as not the GTA, there may be some price differentials around housing. Are there any specific examples of Eastern Ontario or Ontario East communities that have both a supply of housing and housing that could be that could offer more affordable housing, whether it's for uh, folks moving around within Ontario, moving around within Canada, or from outside of Canada? 
Well, you know, that has been, we've seen a rapid increase in pricing recently with COVID and people moving to more rural areas. We still have a great price advantage. I, I'm thinking of Cornwall, for example, uh, one of our member communities uh, close to the Quebec border still maintains a uh, good affordability. And uh, that you'll find that in, in a lot of our areas when you compare it to, you know, to Toronto and the, and the cost. So yeah, the cost of living is, even though we are looking at some inflationary uh, signs right now throughout Ontario, the cost of living, the cost of doing business. And we just did some studies we'll be releasing next week uh, from the Boyd Group out of the U.S. doing a cost comparison in our key sectors, which are manufacturing, transportation, and food and beverage manufacturing, and showing substantial cost uh, advantages for Eastern Ontario, because that's something we have to uh, assess an- regularly and ensure we still have that cost advantage. But uh, but no housing, uh, you know, locally it might look like it's gone up, but still you compare it to even on the outlying er- areas of Toronto and some of the suburbs there, we have uh, great value, great communities, and uh, and access to all the amenities you would get in a larger city like like Toronto, Montreal, or even Ottawa. So Ontario East is clearly fertile ground for business, manufacturing, production, things like that. You've got a company there, it's growing, it's getting bigger, and now it wants to expand. It's going to need some land to do that, isn't it? Let's, let's, let's get to the discussion of employable land. I want to make this discussion as accessible to as many people as possible, because I feel like a lot of people don't fully understand the importance of this issue. I know I didn't until it was brought to my attention in the form of that report that we did. Brendan, I think, uh, do, do you maybe want to give us like a quick 30-second uh, review of our report, uh, the, the industrial land report? Sure. It, it, it really just took a different, a bit of a different approach to the same question to invest in grow manufacturing, factories have to go somewhere. We'd known that there was a bit of a shortage and we wanted to explore some of the reasons for that shortage. What we concluded is that of uh, almost 200 recently closed factories, a large majority of those are no longer used for manufacturing. And that's from downtown Toronto to Northern Ontario. So there are a number of reasons why shortage exists. And one of them is because industrial land is being taken out of play as as plants close or transition for a number of reasons. And a lot of factories have turned into housing. Uh, the closer you are to the middle of any city, the factory is more likely to turn into housing. Hard to argue against that. We need housing. Some factories, and you know, it's like anytime an auto parts plant closes, a year later an Amazon warehouse pops up. That's problematic. For us, that's extremely problematic. And uh, I mean, I know that you know, this may be a little controversial for some economic development folks, but we do not celebrate Amazon warehouses. We've seen economic development folks in Ontario celebrate this. We do not. So how is it that in a province as geographically expansive as Ontario, that we are running out of land? Like that seems counterintuitive. Well, here's the, here's the key. We're, we're running out of serviced land and uh, service land is expensive. And elected officials, municipal councilor, councils have a lot of expenses, a lot of priorities in their communities. And quite often, one of them isn't looking 10 or 20 years to the future on having serviced industrial land uh, or employment land or employable land. And that's the big challenge. And in my career in economic development, convincing a community to spend tens of millions of dollars to get land ready 
in the hopes that a company might come in and they might recoup their their funding at some point. What's happened now, though, is those investments have caught up to us, and uh, we're running out of land in a lot of regions, and the communities, it's sort of playing catch-up, and that's much more challenging than planning ahead. Can we just very quickly offer a, a very bare-bones definition of what 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 is serviceable land? What is... Um employable land because uh, i've heard these definitions you definitions used seemingly interchangeably can we get a little bit of uh, detail on what exactly is that what is serviceable employable land jay maybe i'll, I'll take a crack at that and for us it's it's having those shovel ready sites so which includes it's appropriately zoned to allow for those types of activities you have access to the transportation networks the, the highways uh, potentially rail but also the services along water sewer natural gas, electricity, uh, telecom infrastructure, those are all, all part of it. And then really understanding the, the geographic capabilities or the characteristics of the site, you know, what's the depth to bedrock, uh, what's the topography of the site, the, you know, the, the terrain, you know, how easy is it to, to develop? So all those types of things. And then what are the processes within the municipality to, you know, to allow them to, you know, to carve off the right size and, and, uh, and bring the, uh, you know, sell that parcel to the, to the individual business. So yeah, it's, it's about having a site that when they, the client comes, they don't want to wait. They don't, uh, you know, companies have been burned in the past and in some communities where uh, they are promised things that don't happen. So companies expect that all those utilities and all the zoning issues are, are in place as they, uh, as they move forward. So it's kind of a catch 22 then. Well, it's, it is, but we know there's a demand there right now, right? And uh, I, I heard a phrase the other day, and, uh, you know, it, it takes a long time to develop a, an industrial park. I heard a phrase the other day where someone said the, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago, but the second best time to plant a tree is today. And so, you know, communities need to think about, okay, if I start the process, it's not for something next month or even next year or two, but it's going to set the community for, up for success going forward. So, you know, if your community says, hey, manufacturing is a priority for us, then those communities should be looking at doing that. The city of Belleville did that a number of years ago where they picked up, I think, 600 acres of kind of marginal farmland that they identified and are, uh, and are moving forward in terms of they service some and they're, they're continuing to develop that land. And, um, but even so, we, you know, we're, there's, we're victims of our own success. As we sell land, we need to, we need to bring more on. Brendan, I know you you talked about uh, logistics and uh, distribution centers and those types of things, and and for us, we think there's room in the economy for all those sectors. So yeah, manufacturing is a priority for us, but logistics is an important part of our economy as well. And we have we have some uh, great logistics companies in our region that we're we're proud they're here, and they they have great technology and automation in there, and they're doing some fantastic things. And a lot of those logistics companies are part of that whole supply chain of our manufacturing sector. So for us, I, I'd, I'd slightly disagree with you on some of your comments about uh, distribution centers. I think there's, there's a, a need for them. There's a need for balance. Um, but I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of manufacturing, of course. And, uh, but I also, I, I, we celebrate those, uh, those logistics companies as well that are bringing value to our economies as well. I generally agree with logistics. Um, it's, it's Amazon is problematic yeah you know and we have we've had a we have had an investment from amazon in the eastern part of eastern ontario that you know was in a community that that needed jobs and it, it's it's changed the opportunities there now the 
The challenge with the Amazon type facility is they, they do require a lot of land, not a massive amount of employees, but they do have a place and maybe not in a, an overly populated area, but they, they, as Chris said, certainly uh, in our region and, and it's, it, it's attractive to us. But the availability of land, the, the other big challenge our communities have, now Belleville uh, had lands within their uh, area, their geographic area. Uh, I live in Peterborough. Our community has uh, virtually run out of property, but they border on a land-rich community, on several land-rich communities. And there's been discussions for 20 years. It's gone from not one blade of grass to give us $90 million and you can have access to this property and, you know, back and forth. And the challenge there is if you don't have cooperative municipal politicians, it's very rare for the provincial government to come in as they did in previous days and just amalgamate and annex. You know, it's politically uh, challenging for politicians to do that, but that is one solution is to look at cooperative uh, and, and helping these communities grow and take over some other lands that uh, otherwise we haven't seen any movement on. And I'm pretty sure Peterborough is not the only community that's got that challenge right now. So Jay, I'm going to hand you a magic wand and you're going to solve this entire problem. What does that spell sound like? That wasn't in the pre preview notes you gave me for this uh, <laughs> discussion, but uh, but, you know, here, here's what it is, uh, you know, and, and I'm a big fan of, uh, of proper planning and zoning. I mean, when I was in my 20s, I was the chair of the planning board here in the city of Peterborough, right? So I've always had an interest in good planning, but you get to learn that the best laid plans don't always meet the needs of the client, you know, so you've got to be flexible. So I really believe it's, uh, you know, you need some leadership to help come up with a solution. You might need some, uh, you know, upper tier government funding to help get land to the serviceability, uh, you know, the, the access to services and as well as to promote it. So it really is, a, it's very complex. There, there is no magic wand, but Chris alluded to, I liked his, uh, his analogy there about the trees. It, it does take good planning and we seem to be doing a lot of just-in-time planning. You know, it's reactive and it, it's got to be proactive and we're learning that. I think most of us were aware it was they're in this business that it was something we, we should be taking care of. But definitely there's um, you know, there needs to be support from all levels of government. And it, it comes down to financial support with the you know all the downloading we've seen for other services, that's taken a priority, social services, things like that in local communities. So it it's taken away that ability to invest into developing, you know, mega sites, even the word mega sites. I don't think a lot of our communities really want to see that. I I know some communities celebrate that. Hey, we're a mega site, but the days of chasing after a large uh, manufacturing automotive companies, there may be opportunities there, but thousand acre sites are, are probably something we're not going to see. And it's, that being said, we're very strong in the electric vehicle market and supply chain here in the region. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as a, a magic wand, uh, it's going to take a collective effort and it's going to take some awareness and uh, leadership and groups like you know Ontario East and EDOs like Chris uh, communicating with their municipal uh, leaders on, on the importance of doing this. Are there on the subject of mega sites, if hypothetically a an automaker wanted to set up a plant that needed 3000 employees and a supply chain around it, is that even possible these days? Is there even a labor shed for it? Chris, why don't I leave <laughs> that one with you? Yeah, well, 
obviously a, a plant of that size would attract a lot of attention. So they'd probably be able to recruit and bring some people in from outside, which again, creates issues with housing and other things that we talked about. And then, you know, if we move up the value chain and people are able to move up to higher paying jobs, that's not such a bad thing in our community. We'd, we'd like that. So it'd be a challenge to find 3000 people for one site based on where we are, but I think you'd attract people in and, uh, and I think you'd have, uh, you'd have some people that maybe choose to, to maybe pick up other, you know, move to that higher paying job. And, and again, as we looked at, you know, jobs used to be the, uh, the measuring stick when we looked at economic success, how many jobs were created. I think now it's about the size of the investment, the technology, the economic impact that we're measuring. And a lot of these companies, yeah, they need a lot of people, but maybe not as labor intensive as it once was, oh, so, you yeah. know. Where, where issues around having great reliable electricity, dual feed electricity and uh, great access to markets are, are becoming some of the key things that they're looking at as well. And uh, yeah, they need some people, but maybe not as much as before. So I'm really excited to see what happens at Alstom in Bath in the next few years. Are there any particular manufacturers or facilities from, you know, from Bowmanville to Cornwall that you're particularly excited about seeing what what's going to happen there in the next few years picking a favorite child here eh? yeah. <laughs> yeah i can't talk to this one yeah. no, there's, there's well, all kinds from our perspective like we're pretty blessed to have a fairly diversified manufacturing base so yeah we have some automotive you know wiring cable consumer good packaging but we're not overly dominated by like one major player in our community you know we're home we're home to Procter and Gamble, and that's a pretty major site that we like to see that you know where they're going to continue to take their business, and they're real leaders in terms of what they do. But for me, it's it's about growing the entire the entire sector and and trying to you know those ones that are on that path. How do we help block for them and nurture them and and uh, allow them to do what they do best and kind of get out of the way and let them be manufacturers. Ford is opening a distribution center in near Castleman, Ontario. There's Leclerc in a food cookie company opening a new facility in uh, Brockville, filling a former site that, you know, had been empty for a few years. So there are some, there, there's a lot happening and, uh, you know, I want to definitely share some beyond. Uh, Quinty is a star player in this field, but, you know, there are some other great opportunities that are that have been happening in just the last couple of years and, and seeing, you know, some new builds, but also reusing of uh, facilities where, you know, multinationals have, have downsized. The Belleville P&G plant is the company's kind of benchmark. It's among, if it's not the top facility, it's among the company's top facilities globally. Yeah, yeah. That's what we understand yeah. too, where they're real yeah. leaders in terms of their yeah. their processes and kind of digitizing their entire supply chain and manufacturing process and great community supporter. And they're active, you know, in terms of sharing what they do with other manufacturers that in sectors that don't compete with them, but kind of to share what they do and how to apply the lessons learned uh, at their facilities. So yeah, we're, we're very pleased and fortunate to have them in our region. Great, great company. Well, we are rounding the corner on time and I want to thank everyone for participating, for chatting with us, Jay, Chris, Brendan, uh, anything else anyone would like to add before we log off? Happy Friday. <laughs> I forgot it's Friday. That's right. Friday it's afternoon fr at that. Friday afternoon yeah. in June. <laughs> June and it's 28 degrees out. And oh, the sun wow. shining. 
Well, we want to uh, wish you all the best. Trillium Manufacturing, uh, for the work you're doing in raising awareness of this important topic. Also to encourage you to get engaged with our municipal conference, September 14th to 16th. It's live and in person again in Cornwall, the Ontario East Municipal Conference. Hopefully everybody will have a look at oemc.ca and we'll, uh, we'll make a connection there too. I think we can help uh, spread the word. Everyone, thank you so much for your time and uh, enjoy your Friday. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.